The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. He has told the government it plans to reduce staff by 400. Part of the Donnybrook campus may be sold and some of the top shows may be outsourced. I'm joined on the line now by Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor of the Irish Independent. We'll talk to Fionnán in a few moments' time. Uh, but first, Emma Kelly, who's education correspondent for RTE and also chair of the Dublin Broadcasting Branch of the NUJ and vice chair of the trade union group in RTE. Uh, Emma, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, what is your reaction to, first of all, uh, hearing it from colleagues in print rather than hearing it from the Director General and himself? Yes, well, Pat, I'll say, first of all, I haven't seen the document, so I'm relying entirely on what those colleagues have been writing and saying. Um, And we will have a say in this. The staff will. We will insist on that. Uh, But yes, um, it is upsetting. It's dismaying for staff across the organisation to have heard the news in this way. Pat, I'd love to say it's shocking, but it's not. We're used to this. I fully expected, and so did many of my colleagues, that we would be reading about this elsewhere before we were told ourselves Mm. in RTE Um, by our bosses. Now, obviously, a few executives within RTE were aware of the document because they prepared it. But do you suspect the leak came from inside the house or from Leinster House? You know, Pat, I don't know. And um, it would be a bit rich if a journalist was complaining about journalists receiving leaks. So just to be very clear on that, I'm not complaining about this. But I am unhappy uh, that, that it was leaked by by some side, whether that was RT, whether that was government. Um, I don't know. And at this stage, I don't really care because, as I say, I, I, we, we mostly knew that this was the way it was going to happen. It feels a lot like Groundhog Day. I, a colleague sent me an email from November 2019, Pat, uh, which was the DG apologising for us learning in this way uh, from the media outside of RTE about 200 redundancies in RTE. So we're used to this. The the, the problem being, I suppose, that if it came in-house, it's perfidy of the worst order. If it came from Leinster House, it shows that political games are being played by somebody. Well, I mean, there are political games being played left, right and centre with RTE. And that's one of my problems uh, with all of this. Um, I, I We're hearing today about cuts, uh, one in five of staff, um, you know, more pro- programmes being pushed out into the, the private sector. But we've heard nothing about a vision uh, about what RTE should be from government. Um, so uh, to me, all of this is putting the cart before the horse. Uh, we're being told to ask to slash, uh, but, but we have no idea of, of what government uh, wants um, you know, we've no vision. We've, yeah. there's, there's, there's a paralysis now, around all of that. The, the problem is, whose vision should it be? Because um, obviously the government can influence the funding that RTE gets. But Minister Martin said she didn't want a menu. Uh, she wanted decisions. She wanted, uh, you know, a declaration from RTE as to what it would do. Uh, the newspapers, uh, the limited leaks they uh, produce, we don't know the chapter and verse. There may well be at the top of this document a vision from Kevin Backhurst of what he sees. But that doesn't make the news. You know, aspiration is not great news or hard news, but redundancies make hard news. Flogging off the campus, that's hard news. Outsourcing programmes to Cork, that's hard news. So that's what the journalists, even if they had the whole document, they wouldn't bother with the vision. They'd go for the, the hard fact. Of course, and I would hope that there will be vision in this document. But I, I, there's one voice that has been missing from this entire debate, uh, and that is the voice of the public. Uh, what does the public want 
from public service media. That's the voice I'd like to hear. And that's why I'm putting this towards government, because government represents the people. And, and, and when I talk about looking for a vision um, and looking for a sense of direction, uh, that's what I'm talking about. I would certainly hope uh, that there will be some level of vision uh, coming out of this document from RTE, but we need to go much wider than this. We spent the whole summer uh, talking about the need for a culture shift in RTE, for transformation in RTE. Uh, if now, months after all that, we're coming out of all that and we're simply talking about, as I say, Groundhog Day, slashing uh, staffing numbers in RTE and cutting spending, well then, uh, you know, I, I would ask, well, what was all we went through, all that upheaval, all that debate, what was all that about in that game? Mm. Um, the, the notion that there would be, over a period of four years, a reduction of 20% in the staff numbers by uh, 400, uh, with the prospect of 40 of those happening next year. Um, 40, by the way, as you know, 10% of the total number that is being sought seems a pretty low target for year one. Well, yeah, but again, you see, that depends on, on funding as well. Even for people to go, you need, unless you're talking about, you, you, presumably we're talking about voluntary redundancies and voluntary redundancies cost money. So presumably that's why that is the case. But but going to the wider issue, uh, like uh, one in five staff being lost from across the organisation. I mean, uh, people are are kind of going, we, we, we just can't begin to imagine where that those cuts uh, will come from. And that goes to another part of what we're reading about, and that is uh, the increased num- number of programmes that are going to be, or increasing the number of programmes to be coming from outside. Um, now, I don't know if it's to 50% or by 50%, that needs to be clarified. But that uh, is also potentially mm. very, very worrying because I'm asking, and other people are asking, does that mean that programmes that are currently made in-house by creative people in proper jobs you know, with proper pay, with things like maternity leave, with holiday pay, are those same programmes in years to come uh, going to be made in a kind of gig economy? And this is no disrespect uh, to the independent sector, by the way. Um, Many of my friends work in the independent sector and they do great work. But are we going to be replacing, you know, secure, decent jobs with decent uh, working conditions, uh, with people working, you know, from project to project, you know. Well, uh, Emma, Emma, you know the hot water that RT got itself into over treating people who are effectively fully employed uh, as not being fully employed. Um, so perhaps they're trying to avoid that pitfall by, you know, making more and more, pushing more and more people into the gig economy and then depending on the government to make rules for the gig economy, you know, whether you're delivering pizzas well, well, or whether absolutely. you're making yes, programmes. Yeah, we've fought long and hard for decent terms and conditions in RTE. It's a tough fight. Uh, but when conditions fall in RTE, uh, they go through the absolute floor uh, in the sector um, uh, uh, surrounding it. And and I'm, I'm not even really talking about people who currently work in RTE. I'm looking to the future. And we want RTE to be a home for talented, for creative young people uh, who aspire to work in the sector. And we want them to have decent working conditions. And as a, if if anyway. the stuff is being outsourced, though, uh, clearly it means fewer bodies are required uh, to create the programmes within. I mean, is that the logic they're following? Make fewer well, programmes in-house, therefore fewer people, more technical people, more artistic people, more creative people work outside what we used to call the factory. Well, that's what I can only imagine, because I can only put those two things together. This, I mean, 
incredible reduction in staff coupled with this commitment to increasing, dramatically increasing the number of programming uh, coming from outside. I mean, that is basically privatising uh, what RT current, a lot of what RT currently does. It's sending public money uh, into a, a pretty unregulated private sector. And that is uh, extremely worrying, especially, as I say, for young people coming in. Also, um, we're asking the question, will, will some staff in RTE take, you know, decent redundancy payments and then step outside of RTE and continue to do the same work that they did in RTE with the cushion of redundancy payment uh, for a private company. Yeah, that is what has happened in the past. Yes. I mean, you had uh, people who were on cameras, for example, who were on staff and then all the OB units were got rid of and uh, many of these cameramen got very useful work outside as freelancers. Yes, and they can do it because they have the cushion of a redundancy payment. But again, I'm talking about young, talented people coming into this industry, people who, you know, will hope to have families, will hope to hope to pay the rent, um, hope to get mortgages. How will they fare uh, in a sector uh, that, 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 that has been... That, that that is will be will be rife with the kind mm-hmm. of conditions that um, we're talking. I know about. you're under time pressure, Amber. I'll ask you just two further things. Uh, talk of selling off stuff on a part of the site, and uh, I've discovered through Seamus Dooley actually that uh, the RT Canteen is a listed building, the RT Radio Centre is a listed building, the RT Office Block is a listed building. I don't know what they're going to sell. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's a problem there, uh, you know, and I, I'm not talking, speaking from any particular attachment to, to the no, campus. No, no, and you can't, but, uh, but, that, that office block you know, is, is tired and old. Can't afford, yeah, can't afford to live anywhere close to where they work uh, because of uh, property prices. Um, so, uh, by the way, there's an awful lot to be said for, for moving uh, more of what we do out to places like Cork and Limerick. Um, you know, we certainly would, would need to know how that's going to happen. But, you know, I can't see much of a... a opposition to that as a, as a principle. But yeah, there are huge problems with, with you know, reducing the footprint in Donnybrook because of the, the issues that you have raised. All right, Emma, you will find out later today uh, the full detail of the document. Um, I presume, I'm hoping that there will be some inspirational uh, vision of uh, what might lie ahead rather than just the nuts and bolts. Uh, but Emma, thank you very much uh, for joining us. That's Emma O'Kelly, who is education correspondent uh, within RTE, but also chair of the Dublin Broadcasting Branch of the NUJ and vice chair of the trade union group in RTE. Fionnán Sheen, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent, has been listening to all of that. Uh, Fionnán, good morning. Morning, Pat. Um, I'm tempted to use the phrase another fine mess. Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I think Emma put it quite well there. You, you journalists can't criticise uh, leaking when, you know, I'm listening to Morning Ireland this morning and I'm hearing what's coming up at Cabinet today. I mean, breach of Cabinet confidentiality uh, is is breaking the law under the rules of the Constitution. So there you go. Um, that, so, you know, the, the details emerged uh yesterday uh some of the headline figures and we're obviously waiting to see you know what's what's the the, the meat uh, underneath there in terms of setting out uh what is the 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 prospect uh for RT in terms of its delivery uh of public sector uh and public service broadcasting uh, to the public so you know you're you're, you're the public are still going to be asked to pay their 160 euro 
TV license fee? What are they getting for that uh, in return? And th- that'll come down to the fact that a series of reports now in, in recent years, external reports, have said that, that RTE has been asked to do too much. The remit is too broad. Uh, they're spreading themselves too thin and this is actually resulting in a downward spiral in terms of the, the, the public losing trust. Then they lose money then things can't be done as well. Then the public lose further trust. So what's going to be done to uh, stem that flow? Their their difficulty at the moment is that there was a financial crisis within RTE even before the payment scandal emerged during the summer. So a plan like this was going to happen anyway. It's probably just uh, far worse in terms of the the headline figures because of the the shortfall in cash now. Now, the the, the problem is uh, that RT does a lot of things um, that, you know, all of us will use, like their website, their app and so on, and uh, there's no paywall. Uh, on the Irish Independent website, there is a paywall. A lot of the content is so-called premium and you don't get it unless you go behind the paywall and and pay for uh, that stuff. Does that irk people in uh, print media that uh, RT is doing so much for nothing? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I suppose it is being subsidised uh, by the by the public, and RT would always argue that that uh, is their role. I suppose that has has expanded across the course of the last uh, ten to fifteen years. We saw a situation a decade ago where RT wouldn't put the names of journalists who are writing stories on their website because they felt that perhaps they'd be straying beyond their remit under the, the TV license that has has changed as well uh, in recent years so that that's kind of expanded and and it's it's never really been been set in stone i think part of what people are going to be looking for under this vision for the future is accountability so what does the license fee payer get in return for their 160 euros and what is being paid for out of commercial revenue yeah. and it suited rte an awful lot and they they did take advantage of the fact that the two pots of money were were mixed, and therefore, when question marks arose about their expenditure or their activity in a certain area, they were able to turn around and go, "Oh, sorry, commercial sensitivity, we can't tell you that." The classic example being the two million euros uh, lost, which ultimately the license fee payer will pick up on uh, from Toy Show the Musical, because the argument from RT all along was, "We can't tell you how much that is going to cost." Because of commercial sensitivities, and we've got commercial partners and so on and so forth. So, yeah, but don't forget though that RT was a, an early investor in Riverdance, and uh, yeah. eventually it sold out its interest. But it made pretty nice cash uh, in the early years of, of Riverdance before it sold out its interest. Uh, so, had and, and I know it's unlikely had Toy Show the Musical been a smash hit, uh, it might have been a nice little earner last Christmas. Turned out. It was, for all sorts of reasons, and, inevitable and you, that it wasn't going to be a smash. And you were at an event 10 days ago chairing with Hermione Doherty said, you know, such risks have to be taken and you have to to, to see uh, wh- what will work and, and, and learn from that. And, and fair enough. The, the issue I'm talking about here is not that RTE shouldn't. I mean, RTE can put on programs and spend a lot of money on them and they don't become a hit with the yeah. public and therefore uh, they, they, they don't give a, a return what i'm talking about here is uh a, a basically a standard being set down where the public are actually told here are the two different balance sheets and here's what you get in in return for that so you're getting we're, you're you're paying for children's programming and news and current affairs in the irish language that's coming out of your license fee 
but the two Johnnies go to the pub. That's from commercial revenue. So that's that's yeah. uh, that's. A I mean, it, it it would be relatively simple to to outline the contribution that commercial revenue makes to any program because you know what advertising surrounds it, you know what its costs are, and therefore if there was a shortfall, for example, the, much has been made of the Sunday game. Now, I don't know whether that uh, washes its face or not, but the commercial revenue attached to it, the costs attached to it, including the rights to the GAA, um, you could look at that and say, well, 50% of that actually is paid for by the ads and uh, a sponsorship maybe. And 50% comes out of uh, the license fee. Do you want us to continue? Because if it's to come out of commercial revenue alone, it's non-viable. You know, that sort of equation, transparency, it it could be quite simple. Yeah, it'd give you some some sort of split. Speaking of the Sunday game, it is one of the shows that has been talked about in in terms of outsourcing to the, the independent uh, production sector because basically what we'll be getting today is a signal that uh, you know half of what RT does from now on will not be done uh, in house. So I mean, I was watching uh, GAF three last night on TG Cahir. That's a, a, an outsourced uh, production. So you're basically got a company that that secures the the, the TV rights. Uh, does their own commentary and analysis uh, on on top of that and puts that out uh, as a program. So we will we will see if that's the the, the kind of thing that Kevin Mackers is major today. Fair City also been talked about uh, in in that regard. Uh, is there a particular reason why it has to be produced on on the RTE uh, lot, or could it be yeah. be done elsewhere and RTE buy buy it back then I'm, uh, I'm, from those producers? I'm a bit mystified as to why you know Cork would be uh, upgraded or whatever to make more programs. Um, they do Dahi and Mora and they do, I don't know, one or two other things, but there's not much going on there. And a lot of the programmes, you know, the live programme, there's very little of it now when you think about it in RT besides News and Current Affairs and The Late Late Show um, and a, a few more. Um, you know, diluting that lot down to Cork might not make sense when most stuff is done in post-production and a lot of it is done initially on the laptop until the final edit. So, you know, <laughs> Anyway, I'm I, I dying to see the Mackers document. Point was was that it, it didn't it, not everything had to be done out of of Donnybrook. There are other regional centres. Look, there's also it's it's a clever move to talk up Cork, Limerick, and Galway uh, as places where additional work can be done because. Dee Forbes' plan four years ago was talking about shutting down Limerick and shutting down Limerick Lyric FM, and predictably, then the politicians in the Midwest reared up and. You had to do a, a, a U-turn. So you're not getting anywhere, basically, if an RT plan was to come out today and the headline out of it is RT to centralise everything they do out of Dublin 4 and to hell with the regions. So it, it's it's a politically clever move on, on Kevin Backer's part that he's he's going to be saying there, there's more being done uh, elsewhere. It, it reduces the amount of political backlash that you're going to get. All right, Fionn, we shall see after the document uh, is made public sometime this afternoon. The staff will see it at uh, midday, no doubt at 30 seconds past midday. <laughs> Many of us will get copies of it. But anyway, thank you very much, Fionn Sheen, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent. Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.